finishing this series called We Can't Stay Here. And for us, what that's meant the last three weeks as we've talked about it, it meant like what's God leading us to? We're a church that in January celebrated two full years. So we're in our third year. And uh, we talked about, you know, what does it look like? What are the next steps? Because we believe that God always calls you to more. We said that um, there's really no such thing as like graduating from faith. Like God calls you something to something and he speaks to you and he says, hey, I, I would have you to do this. And then you do it and you're obedient and maybe you see a victory in your life. And then you're like, well, I've, I've done it. I've used my faith as a Christian. I got like a faith badge I've completed. No, God always calls us into like places where we're following him into more and using our faith and depending on him. And so uh, we said as a church in our first two years, uh, we're so thankful for this and we're thankful for everything God is doing and the kids spaces and all the stories and, and testimonies and beautiful things that God has done. And so it'd be easy for us to just be like, hey, this is pretty good. Let's, let's just stay here. Let's go on cruise control. And unfortunately, a lot of churches actually do do that. They get into a building or they get into a space or they get, and then they just kind of stay there. They, they don't really put their foot on the gas and just believe and trust God for more. Instead, they just kind of hang where they are because it's comfortable. And how many know even us as Christians end up falling into that trap. You were once following God and really pursuing him passionately. And then if you took a good survey of your life, you're like, hey, I've kind of just been stuck in this place. But God is always calling us to more, to, to believe for more, because God always wants you, as the scripture says, to go from a glory to glory. He wants you to go from greater to greater. Amen? And so we were looking at scripture. We saw in Matthew chapter 17, we saw there's a story where Jesus, he takes... Um, some guys up the mountain and he says, hey, he picks three and he says, hey, James and John. And he, and he says, hey, come up the mountain with me. And he says, um, I want to show you this thing. And so uh, this light shines. There's this whole like glorious God moment. And uh, there's Moses and Elijah. They show up and uh, all of a sudden the light shines in this whole thing. And then they say, hey, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just stayed here? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we actually built like some uh, temples and we just lived on this moment and we stayed in this place? And he says, no, it's not because you need to go from here. And then uh, later you see in their lives where he says, uh, silver and gold, I have none. But what all these miracles take place in his life. Uh, for time's sake, we won't get into them all, but all these great miracles take place in his life. Why? Because Jesus understood you can't just stay there. There's more for you. He's always calling you into more. And then we talked about how um, there's two parables that are really uh, significant for where we are as a church. Uh, and one of them is the parable of the shepherd. And uh, the scripture talks about how that there's 99 sheep that are okay, but one of them is lost. And it says that the, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one who's lost. So he leaves the 99 to go find the one. Why? Because pursuit of those that are lost is more important than just hanging with those that are, got it all put together. Is that okay for some to say? Heaven is about finding the lost. God is about being, now it's important for the 99. It's important for us to make sure things are in order and their structure and that they're healthy too. But uh, they were taken care of. They knew how to uh, kind of stay in the pack and take care of each other. But the one that was lost was it needed somebody. And so as a church for us, we talked about how there's, there's some lost out there. There's some people that need us. And while we as a church could be the 99, just kind of hanging out and having a good little church club and doing our thing, that's not what God calls us into. He calls us into pursuit of finding the one who's lost. Amen. We also talked about the parable where it says that a woman who has 10 coins, she loses one. 
And it says that in her house, in pursuit of that coin, it says that she lights a lamp and she moves some things and she sweeps and she cleans and she makes all these arrangements in pursuit of finding that one that's lost. Well, that's what we're doing here as a church. We're moving some things around and we're changing our structure and we're preparing ourselves to be able to go to two so that we can reach the one who's lost so that we can get more people here and reach more people and love more people. Amen. And so that's what we're doing. We're literally, we're, we're moving things around and we're, we're putting different things in order and you'll see, you know, kind of around here, you know, that there's facility improvements and there's a new stage and there's all these things that we're doing uh, to make things work around here because it's important for us to go from glory to glory and we can't stay here. We have to go for more. And so we shared this image. Uh, it's of this map. And so check out this map. Uh, this right here is, and you can't see it real good if you were to like really look, but this is our region. This is our area. And so this is all of Holland. This is all of Zealand. This is all of West Olive. This is all of Allendale. Uh, this is all of Hudsonville, all of Byron Center. Uh, I may have said Hamilton already, but Hamilton and Door. And so it's kind of our 30, 30 minute radius, if you will. This is our target audience that, uh, people that research this stuff, tell us this, this is our target group. And so in that picture, it represents 83,000 homes. Uh, 83,000 homes exist in this area. And so it ends up being over, they say, about 330,000. So over a quarter of a million people uh, represented in all of these homes. 83,000 homes. Those homes are filled with about 330,000 people in those homes. And so what happens is starting tomorrow through this week, uh, every person in that region is going to get an invitation to this church to hear. And, uh, and so what's really cool is, is we got this really cool flyer. We'll actually see kind of the images of them later. But um, we've invited. We've gone out and we've said, okay, hey, we're going to two services. And we want to find the lost. And we want to find the hurting. We want to go out. And we want to connect with them. And so that happens this week. So be praying with us, church. Like this is a critical week. Come to Saturday morning prayer. But also be praying this week. When you get your mailer, that comes in the mail. Because it's going to come to you too. Uh, make sure you get it and you pray over it. Put it on your refrigerator every day when you see it. Pray, God, give us to our city. We pray around here. We don't say, uh, God, give us our city. We pray, God, give us to our city. We exist for our community. And a lot of churches get that backwards. They just want to see people come to their thing, uh, but we want to exist to better our community. And so that's our prayer. God, give us to every single home in there. Amen? And so uh, we have to think big picture. Uh, as a church, as we transition, I've called this kind of a crossing over season for our church. Uh, it's great that we're full and it's great that we have all these great relationships and all these great things God's done these last two years for us. But what's more important for us is to continue to think big picture. Uh, if, you were to, if we were to all leave right now and we were to add up all the parking lots, there's still 30, uh, so in Grand Rapids, in our radius here, uh, Grand Rapids is now the 37th most unchurched. If you look it up on Barner Research, it's the 37th most unchurched uh, city in uh, the nation. It's the third most unchurched city in Michigan. And a lot of people would argue that, like, oh, I don't, this is, this is like the church capital, and this is the Bible Belt. I'm telling you, <laughs> go on the website, Barna Research, and look up church data. Because there's been so much growth in our area and influx and different stuff like that, that we are now like a mission field. There's a lot of people that we need to reach. And if you don't agree with that, we could leave here and we could go see. Target has more cars in the parking lot. Meyer, all these places have more cars than churches combined because there's a huge harvest for us to reach out there. Amen? So we have to think big picture, a lot of times it's easy for us to come to a place, come to our church, and we just think about ourselves. 
We think about what we're going to get there. And a lot of preachers even preach very like what transaction I get from God, my personal relationship from God, all these things I get. But that's really not God's design. God's design is for us to be big picture, thinking of the one that's lost. Amen. And so uh, God was speaking this to me. Uh, I have a three-year-old, uh, so little girl, and she, she loves cooking. Like she, she's at that age where everything is like push up the chair and help, you know, and so help, right? You know what I'm saying? If you've had a three-year-old. And, uh, and so for me, so we love to make eggs. We, we, uh, which by the way, uh, mom and dad, I need more eggs. Yeah, so they have a farm and chickens and stuff. And so uh, I need more eggs. But anyway, and this is why. Uh, so anyway, um, I just, I forget these things if I don't say it on the spot. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, exactly. I don't know why I would tell my mother, you know, she, uh, just kidding. So um, my dad sent me an article. I'm just bunny trailing and it's fun, so I don't care. My dad sent me an article and it said like, uh, grandparents who babysit are less likely to get Al- Alzheimer. I wrote him back. I was like, oh, that's too late. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, well, a little late. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to get those eggs, right? Yeah. At the house. They're going to be on my window. Um, let's get back on track. So it's the push the chair up. I want to help. You know, she loves to make cheesy eggs, all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, and so we do all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like, let's make the mess. Let's have fun. Let, let's do the process. So for me, what that means is, yeah, push up the chair. Let's get the eggs. Let's... And so for me, that means, yeah, you're going to crack the egg. Like, here, here's. So I got a little three-year-old, and she's got this egg, and she's slamming it on the side of the thing, and eggs are going everywhere. And I, I don't know how my dogs are still alive. They're licking up salmonella off the floor. I don't even, I don't know. And, uh, and so anyway, God spoke to me when we were doing this process because for me, I let her crack the eggs. And we mix it, and I let her mix it, and I do all this kind of stuff. But the end result for me recently is I eat quite a bit of eggshell in my omelets. In my, but here's the deal. I understand as dad that it's more important that I have the process with my daughter than having a perfect omelet. Amen. It's more important that the big picture for me is more important that we have, because I could be, no, I got to make the perfect egg. You go sit down and da-da-da. And I could be all about making it the way that I want it because it should be perfect. And the Bible says it this way and the rule looks like this and da-da-da. So you know what I'm talking about now, like I'm paraphrasing. Or I'm, so, so I could be all err about what it should look like and da-da-da and preaching in jeans and I don't know how he can do that and da-da-da, right? I could be all about the thing of it or I could see the big picture of it. And I could go, you know, the, the process is probably more important than this perfect end result of, I'm not talking about messing up doctrine or anything like that, but the process is in our church. Some of the things that we do that might not be exactly your taste, that might not be, you know, we may have more people here uh, in the next couple months and your parking might have to be a little bit further away and all of those things. But if we can learn to look at the big picture of it, if we can learn to just eat a few more eggshells as a church, somebody say Amen. <laughs> And so God was just really speaking to me like, hey, we as a church, we're in this season where the process is more important. The big picture of what God's trying to accomplish here is way more important than our our little preferences. Somebody say amen. 
And so things will change around here a little bit. We'll go to two services, and that means another service that we get to serve in kids a little bit more, and we get to do a few more other things, and we're opening up another entrance on the other side. And so some things will be different. And they may not be your perfect taste or the thing that you're used to, but the end result is going to be we can reach more people. We can connect with the lost. We can find the one. Somebody say amen. And so just be praying into that. Like, hey, God, give us the picture of what it's about, about reaching people, helping people. I, uh, there's this popular picture. Everybody has seen it. You can put the church picture up. I think a lot of you have seen this. And a lot of people love to share this. And I always think about it like, yeah, it's an easy thing to share. But if you really broke it down and thought about this statement, it's probably not as easy as it is like to share. People say this. So the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And so the second part we understand is like, hey, the church shouldn't be a place where we just come and it's a museum for the perfect Christians and we just look around at how great we all are. I get that. But the top part says that the church should be a place or a hospital for sinners. So people that are injured or people that are sick or people that have a need. So the church should be a place where people that are sick or off or have a need can come and get well and get healed and so for us, we, we love to share that because it's like, oh yeah, you know, this is about reaching people. But when people that come in here are sick, like how do we respond to that? And do we even have the big picture in mind of what that looks like? Here's my example. If somebody were to come through the door, I mean, bleeding, like wounds, you know, you, you, they would walk through the door and physically you would see like, oh my gosh, there's an issue here. This person needs help. This person needs to be healed. This person needs to be addressed. We would all step in and we would make sure that person gets taken care of. But if somebody comes through those doors with emotional wounds and somebody comes through those doors, maybe just damaged psychologically or, or maybe they've just gone through a divorce that was devastating or they lost a business or something happened that has them wounded and they come through those doors, they don't wear a sign that says that. They come through the doors looking for a hospital that can help them heal in this process. And what's interesting for us as Christians, this is where we don't really do that. It's easy to share, but it's hard to do. Because our mindset should be, hey, somebody new is here. Hey, look at that person. I've not noticed them. Maybe I should connect with them. Because what you can't see are people's wounds, injuries. And so what we tend to do is we tend to fight them for a coffee, fight them for a seat, fight them for this, fight them for that. And we, somebody say amen. And instead being like, hey, how's it going? And getting to hear them and connect with them and meet their need. Somebody say amen. So we need to be a place that is a hospital that helps heal and connect and, and relate to people. But what that means is we have to have that big picture mentality of, I'm not going to fight you for a parking. I'm not going to this or that. I'm going to come alongside you and help you and connect with you. Amen. Injured people walk, spiritually injured people walk through our doors every single Sunday. Are you thinking about that? Uh, a lot of us have, and I'm totally guilty of this. A lot of us, a lot of us have a movie theater or airplane mentality. And what I mean by that is how many of you go to the movie and you walk in and the first thing you're thinking when you walk into your seat is, I hope nobody's going to be here or sit by me, right? I hope that uh, I'm going to have a seat next to me. And then you sit there and you get all set and then there's nobody else in the theater, but the one family comes and they walk like and sit right in front of you <laughs> and they create, you know, and then you're like, you got this whole movie theater and you sit right in front of me, whatever. And, but and sadly, a lot of people have that same thing when it comes to church. Oh, I hope it's not full. Oh, I hope that uh, I have room next to me. And listen, we understand making space and aisles. We're working to do that. But our philosophy around here should be, man, I hope there's not empty seats this week. 
man, I hope that we're doing all that we can to reach people. Man, I hope that the church is effective. And, and how, how can I make sure that the church is effective? I want to see this place full. Somebody say amen. And that should be our mindset. Uh, there's a story, I alluded to it last week. There's a story in Luke chapter 14. Uh, I want you to just go home and read through this whole thing. It's great. Uh, but it talks about this banquet. And so it's a parable again. It's the story of, uh, of how a, there's this banquet feast being thrown. And it says that the master tells them, hey, all the invitations have been sent to our area, basically like we're doing a mailer. Everything has been sent out. Everything has gone out. The invitation is for this feast. This feast is here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we would love for people to come. It's going to be huge. And uh, it's going to make our community great again. And uh, no one's tracking with me. That's okay. <laughs> okay, Fred's with me. But, uh, but anyway, so this big banquet, it's a huge deal in the community. Hey, you got to come. It's going to be this big deal. We've set this feast. It's a huge, huge deal. And uh, then all of a sudden, excuses start pouring in. And this is what I want to take a look at, go and, go and read. And the first excuse we see all these people are invited, and then it says that one person says, uh, hey, I can't come because I've, got a, I've bought a field and I need to go look at it. Another person says, hey, we just got married, uh, and so we can't come to the banquet because we just got married. And another says that, hey, I've bought some oxen, and uh, I need to go see how those are, and so I can't come. And so when the servant reports this back to the master, the master of the scripture says, uh, then in anger, the master says, the house is to be filled, basically. We'll paraphrase here. But the master's response is like, look, I don't care about the excuses of people. It's important that my house be filled. Somebody say amen. So the response from the master back to the servant is like, go out, literally right here. It says, go out into the highways, into the byways and compel people to come to this feast, to come to this thing because it's good for them, essentially. And, uh, and that's us. And that's kind of the scenario that we're at is that, hey, we've sent out invitations. The mailers are going out. We've made changes here. We've set the spiritual feast for people to be able to connect with God. That's in place. But what we need to do now as a people is we need to go out to the highways and byways and connect and compel people to come be a part of this feast. Amen. And so you don't guilt people and you don't make it a big deal, but it's like, hey, Man, our church works really hard at preparing a place that you're comfortable. And they got coffee for you. And they got some music you're going to be able to hear. You'll be able to hear a sermon. And the kids are going to have fun. You'll have all the information that you need uh, on that flyer. You get that flyer and you just say what that flyer says. And you invite people and you get them here and get them to the feast. Because God's desire is that his table be full. Amen? So he tells them, go out into the highway and byway. And here's what's important. For us, we need to understand it's our responsibility to get people to the table. Christians don't like to hear that. It's our, we'd like to just say, well, you know, the pastor is going to get people and Facebook will get people and all this kind of stuff. But it's our job to get people into the house of God. It's, it's, if you look all throughout scripture, I don't have time to do it, but Jesus, literally his ministry was walking with the people. Hey, come with me while I, come with me while I. Our philosophy should be the same. Hey, come with me while I journey with God. Come to our church, come connect with this, that, and the other and bring people with you, Amen. I'll close with this. Um, in the same Luke chapter 14, they begin to talk about throwing a, a party or a banquet. Luke chapter 14, verse 12 says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, and your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. So saying, hey, don't go after the people, 
that you know can repay you or that you know can make it up to you. You know, don't just give effort to those that you know you're going to get something out of it. Somebody say amen. Verse 14, or verse 13, it says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Check out this picture. This was from our bulk mail company this week. So essentially a whole skid of our mailers. You can see them going through the printing machine. And they all got put on a skid and mailed to all the cities that I mentioned. But when I got this picture, I thought of this scripture and my prayer was that every drug addict who's in our communities, I pray that his name and her name is getting printed on that card and being sent to us. I pray that every person who's addicted and bound, everyone who's blind spiritually and broken, I pray that those are the names that land on that card. I pray that those are the names that come here. Yeah, we could throw a party and get a bunch of other Christians here and we could have a good time and, and I'm for that. But I'm just saying, what if we filled this place with what the scripture says? The crippled, the lame, the blind, those that can't repay us, those that have found themselves in the ditches. What if we prayed over 83,000 cards and said, God, send us the people who need you. Amen. I pray that your prayer is the same as mine. God, send us people through those doors that have wounds that need to be healed so that we can be a people that can connect with them and help heal them and bandage them and do it in love and not in judgment. Somebody say amen. So pray with me this week that we live out this scripture, that we throw a banquet or a spiritual feast in the month of March, which includes Easter, by the way, that draws people to a place where they can connect to be healed and to be whole and to be set free. Amen? I believe on those cards are teenagers who can transform their schools. I believe on those cards are musicians who have incredible songs for God that have never been yet written. But they're going to come to a place that's going to open up their gifts and develop what God has on the inside of them. I believe on those cards are business leaders who are going to finance kingdom opportunities. Literally, a name could get printed across that card that is a business person who could literally change our community with his wealth and resources. And some people get uncomfortable with that idea, but it's all throughout scriptures, godly kings and people who made the way financially for God's work in their community. I pray that God sends us those people, not for me, not for our staff, not for this building, but for our community, that God raises up something that empties the orphanages that empties the single mom housing, something that gets developed that meets the needs of people in our homes. Amen. Sex trafficking arrest right here in Holland. There is a need in every single category here in pure Michigan. We need God. We can't stay here. Somebody say amen. Won't you stand to your feet? It's pretty cool. Um, before I came to my seat, uh, I went in the back. 
because we ran out of chairs. We have people standing um, and they don't have a seat. I realize there's a couple seats here and there, but for the most part, <laughs> there's people on the walls and in the halls right now. But here's what's cool about that. Uh, in October, we did a thing where we believed God for 200 chairs that you're sitting in right now. Um, and we didn't fill 200 chairs at that time. But we said, hey, what if we all bought a chair and believed God that someday someone we love would sit in that chair and that this room and all those chairs would be filled? So here we are, whatever that is, three or four or five months later, and we're out of chairs already, <laughs> which is awesome. And now we're going to go to two services and we're going to believe that God's going to fill those chairs again. Somebody say amen. But I wanted to encourage some of you that bought one of these chairs and you put one of your loved one's names on it. I want to encourage you. Don't give up on them. I know some of you, you, you maybe hear about the mailer and you hear about all the people that came and their lives were changed, but you have invested in a chair or you believed or you've been praying for somebody and you haven't seen it. Maybe you've even seen the opposite of it. I believe if God can put a star above a manger and lead wise men thousands of miles, I believe that he can use a mailer to get one of your loved ones in a place where they can connect with God. Amen? Don't give up. You made an investment. Pray over it. Speak life over it. God is going to do something awesome in our families through this. Amen? But we, as I said earlier, we have to be a people who put the roof on it with prayer. This week, we got to pray. We got to pray. I made a joke to our team when I got that uh, uh, pictures. I said, we have to pray 83,000 prayers this week. <laughs> One over every card. We just got to. Uh, but, but in a way, we do. We got to just pray every one of those cards up that God sends people that need a touch from him. They don't need something from vertical church. They don't need something from Pastor Josh. They need something from God. Amen. And so this whole week, just have that on your heart. As you get the card, put it on your mail or put it wherever you're going to see it and be praying, praying, praying. Because right now what you're standing in is already a result of what we prayed back in October. God can do it. Amen. All right, let's pray. If you're in this room, with every head bowed and every eyes closed. Nobody's going to look around in this moment. If you're here and you say, oh, Pastor Josh, I, I hear what you're saying. Maybe you identify as one of the lost. Maybe you're one that has gone away and has maybe, like the coin, you're misplaced, you feel like, in life. You've stepped away from God. I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. Both of those are accurate. But what it is, is it's you acknowledging to God that you need to make a change. You need to acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. I'm not going to have you come down the aisle or come up front or anything like that. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you. All I'm going to ask you to do when I count to three is to raise your hand up. That way God sees, hey, I'm making this decision and I'll acknowledge your hand. And again, no one will see, but it's a moment between you and God. And in your heart, you're saying, God, I'm choosing you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. So if you're in here today and you say, count me in that prayer, I do need to make a change. Count me in that prayer. If that's you, when I count to three, we'll all just pray out that prayer together. You won't be singled out. But if that's you and you say, hey, count me in that prayer. Today, I want to make a commitment to God. If that's you, on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Put it up high. See that hand? See that one? Anybody else? Jump in. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Don't miss a moment that can change your life literally for eternity. All right. 
So here's what we're going to do. All of you that raised your hand, and if anybody in here, you didn't have the boldness to raise your hand, but you want to be counted in the prayer, just pray it and mean it in your heart, and it will work the same. So let's all say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. The rest of us, before we leave, I want to pray us out one more time just for a burden to be able to pray over those cards uh, and pray for our communities. Like, I don't want to grow a church. Of course, we want to grow a church. But I don't care about it to grow a church. I care about it because I look around this room and I know that there's people here because of that mailer and I could tell you about the life change in their life. And then God did this in their life and God did this in their life. That's why I want us to pray because I want to see people's lives change, not a church grow. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. God, we come to you. Lord, asking what we've been saying. Move us from here to what you have for us. Lord, everything that that looks like, Lord, all the opportunities, all the, the eggshells that come with that, God, we say we're willing to, to be a part of. Lord, we, we understand the big picture. Lord, help us to see the hurting as they come through the doors. Lord, help us make connections with people that help bring healing and restoration. God, we pray over the cards. Lord, that you, Lord, as we talked about earlier, Lord, you make them come to life in people's hands. Lord, I pray that the right text will come out of those cards and connect with people's hearts. Lord, I pray that they'll run into the right people this week that will affirm the cards and, and invite people personally. Lord, I thank you that all the obstacles that may try to come into people's lives, Lord, I thank you that you're, you're causing them to be removed. Lord, we say no obstacles in the month of March are going to hold people back from what you have for them. Lord, we do it all for your glory. Not to grow a church, Lord, but to grow people the way that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen.